Welcome to Bold Faith with Courage Molina, a place where you get empowered and equipped to be who God has called you to be, do what God has called you to do, and go after everything he said you can have without hesitation or apology. Let's go. All right, let's get into this week's sermon. What's up, what's up? Come on in the room. Be sure as you are coming in to drop where you are tuning in from. I'd love to see where you guys are watching from. Our uh, reach has been just phenomenal. God has really been doing an amazing thing. And so we want to see what God is doing and, and where exactly he's taking this word to. So go ahead and drop in the chat where you are tuning in from. I'm your girl, Pastor Courage Molina of Bold Faith Community Church. I am so glad that you decided to come and be a part of what we are doing here. If you are brand new, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Button. You don't want to miss it. You don't want to miss the sermons. You don't want to miss the daily readings in the Bible. Monday through Friday, I don't know if you guys know this, but Monday through Friday, we do this thing called Mornings in the Word, and we are reading through the chronological... Um, Bible reading plan. It's going to take us more than a year, but we're reading Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. EST. And if you want to be notified when we are dropping videos or live streaming, you want to subscribe and be sure to hit that notification button. Now, if this, if Bold Faith Community Church is your home, go ahead and share this video, hit that share button, share it on social media, and you already know the sermon is going to be good. So go ahead and hit that like button. Now, listen, maybe you're brand new here. You're like, I don't even really know what this is, but I want to welcome you again to Bold Faith Community Church. We're an online church for women. We exist to help women develop a relationship with Christ through the study and application of his word and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. The vision here is to build a community of women who are bold in their faith, confident in their call and courageous as they pursue the purpose for which they have been created for. Now, if that sounds like home to you and you're not sure what to do to make this place your home, you are going to go to boldfaithchurch.org and let us know that you've decided to join. What does it look like to be a member, though? Like, what does that really look like? Okay, I want to be a part of what y'all are doing. Well, it looks like attending weekly. 8 a.m. EST, we're right here live in the chat. But I know that this reaches across the globe. So just making sure that you're tuning in to watch the sermon at a time that works for you on Saturday morning and dropping some emojis, letting us know where you're watching from in the chat. It requires for you to get plugged in. You can't call this home and we don't know you and you don't know us. It also requires that you serve and that you give your tithes and offering here. You can do all of that at boldfaithchurch.org. You can do all of those things at boldfaithchurch.org. Now, listen, we are a Bible studying church. What does that mean? It means that we do things a little different here. I don't know if you've noticed, but for the past 13 weeks, we've been in the book of Acts. And for the next 14 weeks, we will be in the book of Acts. How do I know that? Because we choose a book to focus on here as a church. I'm committed to... Uh, delivering a message from God from one chapter a month from that book. The reason for that is because I want you to spend time all week long studying the chapter. 
That's the expectation. So I'm preaching from chapter 14 this week. The expectation is that the women of this church are being trained and equipped by studying the entire chapter 14 this week. And we've created some amazing study guides to help you do that. Um, there are three versions for you to choose from. You can choose the bowl method. That is really a great place to start if you're a beginner and you really haven't started to study the word on your own. If you're ready for a little bit more, the transformational method is available to you. And for people who feel like, no, I knew to this, I've been studying my Bible, then the book method is probably the way that you want to go. Either way, you can go to boldfaithchurch.org to get a Bible study guide. There are a few that are downloadable right now. Get the Bible study journal. It is downloadable. And if you want a physical copy, which I love because they are beautifully designed by our creative director, Olivia Hayward, um, then you can get a print copy set to your home as well. You understand? Listen, I love to celebrate the people who are doing great things here. So I just want to take a moment to celebrate a couple people, if y'all don't mind. I'm going to start off with Olivia Hayward. I just want to celebrate her. Listen, let me tell y'all something. All of this cutesy stuff that y'all see, the technology, the overlay on the screen, like I mentioned, the Bible study guide, the website, all of that, t-shirts for everything we do. Guess what? That is all done by Olivia J. Hayward, I'll be giving people whole government name. And so we want to celebrate her for the work that she's doing here at Bold Faith Community Church. Um, that's just one person I want to celebrate today. I'll be trying to celebrate people a little bit more often because I want y'all to know, like, I may be the only face that y'all see, but I could not do this work without the people who are in this community with me. I couldn't do this work without the women that God has blessed me with. Absolutely could not do this work by myself. Are you out your mind? Couldn't do it. And so I hope that by celebrating them, let me just tell y'all this. I got a little trick up my sleeve. I hope that by celebrating them, um, celebrating Olivia, that she will continue to stay here, to do her good work for the Lord, that she will not be like, you know what? This not the place for me. Let me move on into someplace else. Speaking of Olivia's amazing work, there are a couple events that you can register for, and you'll see the registration is also beautiful. The first thing I'm going to tell you all about um, is the retreat, the Faith Ignited Retreat. It is happening July 14th through the 17th. Again, you can go to boldfaithchurch.org to register. Look at all that beautiful work that Olivia did. Olivia, this is me celebrating you. <laughs> Olivia. Y'all drop some celebration emojis down there for Olivia. Hey, Olivia. She's a bit like, listen, I promise you I couldn't do this work without her. I couldn't do it without her. She's not the only one, but she's the one I'm shy. I'm going to put some shine on for this week. It's Olivia Hayward. Olivia Hayward gets the shine this week. Um, the retreat is going to be amazing. Let me stop talking about Olivia. You know what? It's going to be just as amazing as Olivia. The retreat, the Faith Ignited Retreat is going to be absolutely amazing. Uh, this is our second annual retreat. We're going to be in Greensboro, North Carolina. You do not want to miss this. Most of you women lead in spaces. That means that you have to show up. You have to be on. You are called to serve. It's uh, very rare that you get to be in a room with people who are leading at the level that you're leading. That's what you're going to find at the Faith Ignited Retreat. There are going to be women who are leading not just in their homes, but in their communities. You're going to meet CEOs, things like that, women who have their own brands, their own businesses. And so they know what it is to be called to lead. And as a leader, we sometimes neglect ourselves. We don't often take times to get poured into. I don't want you to do that. 
I want you to take some time to get poured into. And the Faith Ignited Retreat is a great place for you to do it. It's a place where you're going to connect with God like you never have. Connect with women. You're going to leave that space with actual real connections, friendships, relationships that are going to go above and beyond anything that you can think or imagine. At the end of the day, you need to get in the room. You can go to boldfaithchurch.org to um, register. Another event, we're going to have our meetup in Atlanta, ATL, here we come. If you are in the Atlanta area, let me know if I will see you. Now, don't tell me I'm going to see you and you haven't registered. Don't tell me that. You can go to boldfaithchurch.org and find the registration link for the Atlanta meetup there. Don't tell me you're going and you ain't registered. As a matter of fact, while I'm doing these announcements, I'm about to move on, but while I'm doing these announcements, go ahead, click, click, click. It's real easy for you to register. Let us know that you're going to be there. Now, it's a free event, but you have to register so we can be prepared to meet you. Okay, so grateful for Olivia for getting those things, the flyers and all of that electronic stuff done for you. I used to say this thing all the time, right? Um, go where you're celebrated, not where you're tolerated. And so I think it's so important for us to celebrate people who are doing the things um, in our lives that we couldn't do for ourselves, but they're still helping us along the way. They're supporting us, encouraging us. They've been there for us. I think it's so important for us to celebrate our people, regardless of what role they play. If they are helping you to live life, if they are adding value to your life, you love them, they bring joy to you, I want you to celebrate them because nobody wants to be in a place where they're tolerated. So I heard that saying somewhere one time, go where you're celebrated, not where you're tolerated. And I picked it up and I held on to it. It was like the best thing ever. I'm like, this is exactly right. Why? Because who wants to be in a place giving their best work, doing excellent work and not be celebrated? Who want to do that? No, I definitely don't want to do that. I want to be in a place where my work and my efforts are going to be celebrated. Amen. I remember I worked at this Christian school. When I'm telling you they tolerated me, I really thought it was going to be great. I was excited. I went to the first orientation. It was wonderful. They prayed during uh, the back to school um, thing. The food was really good for that luncheon. Like when they do the, the teachers back to school, those, um, those in-service or work days. I was like, yes, it's going to be great. It wasn't great because I was tolerated. That is the only school, I, I taught for 11 years, only one time as a teacher did I have a situation where I actually cried in a parent-teacher conference. Can you imagine that? It was me, the parent, and my principal. And I sat there while this lady berated me, um, attacked my character, attacked my salvation, my godliness, just like everything. And uh, the principal kind of set it up beforehand to let me know how I was expected to respond. And I was just, that was, that's certainly before I knew the Lord the way I know him now. You hear me? I'm going to say it again. Certainly before I knew the Lord the way I know him now, certainly before I had the confidence that I have now. Um, I was on volunteer teams where it's like people asked me to be a volunteer on the team. They wanted my insight. They wanted to, they wanted my perspective. They wanted my unique perspective. You know what I'm saying? because I was unique from everybody else on the team. So I went into those rooms and found out that they did not, I wasn't celebrated. People weren't like, oh my gosh, here she comes. We're so excited that she's here. Let her come on in the room. People were not excited. They were tolerating me for sure. They were tolerating me. Um, 
So, you know, haters going to hate. So why stay in a place where you're tolerated when there are other people who would love to have you and you could be celebrated? Now, I don't totally disagree with go where you're celebrated, not tolerated. I think it's super important for us to celebrate people. But as the person who's come to serve, I've kind of grown spiritually. You know, I study my Bible and I apply what the word says and it changes my perspective and my understanding. Um, it makes me a little bit more resilient, more confident, more courageous. Um, it gives me more resolve. And as a result, I no longer think that that mantra applies to the work you've been called to do. I no longer think that go where you're celebrated, not where you're tolerated, is the attitude to have for those of you who have been sent by God on assignment. Anybody on assignment from God, let me know in the chat. If you're on assignment from God, let me know in the chat because this is definitely for you. I think it works for personal relationships, not really marriage, but I think it works for personal relationships. I'm going to go where I'm celebrated, not where I'm tolerated. And I don't think you can have that attitude in your marriage, even if they just tolerating you, child, you're not about to go to no another marriage. So that doesn't apply here. But um, I think in personal relationships, it probably um, works, right? Why stay in groups where you're not wanted or where you have to pretend to be something you're not and they're just tolerating you when really you could be in a group of people who celebrate you. I think it works in personal relationships, but if you've been called to something, if you are on assignment by God and you've been anointed and appointed to that assignment, then I want you to listen to me very closely. It doesn't matter if you are celebrated or tolerated. You go where you're sent. Okay. I don't care if they like you, if they don't like you. As a kingdom worker on assignment from God, anointed and appointed to do work on this earth for the kingdom, they don't have to celebrate you. They ain't even got to tolerate you. You go where you're set. You don't need a welcome mat because you're on assignment from God. And this is what you have to know. When you're on assignment from God, realize that the call that's on your life is, is too important for you to rely on celebration. There's a call on your life. There are people that God is calling you, sending you to deliver, to hear a message from you, to get out of their dark desperate situation and you can't decide whether or not you're going to go based on whether or not they you're well received whether or not you're celebrated there there's a call in your life that's not connected to your comfort it's very uncomfortable to be in a space where everybody don't love you everybody loves raymond but everybody hates chris right it's a difficult space to be in it's an uncomfortable space to be in where everybody ain't rocking with you let me help you get this you are going to face opposition. Anybody out there on assignment facing some opposition, drop a heart in the chat. Let me know. Anybody out here on assignment dealing with rejection, drop a heart in the chat. Let me know. Y'all feeling rejected out there in these streets. You are meeting intolerance. You're not even like, you're like, dang, pastor, people are, they not, not only are they not tolerating me, they are intolerant to my presence. It seems like my very breath is an agitation to their soul. Some of you are going to meet downright violence. Verbally, emotionally, financially, 
and for some of those called to the front line physically. You won't be immune to it. I know that's not the most exciting thing that you've ever heard, and it probably doesn't make you want to stick with your assignment, but I want to encourage you today. Don't let that stop you, okay? Anybody dealing with anything, go ahead and drop a, a heart in the chat. Anybody feel like you're under attack right now? You're going through some situations right now, so you know what I'm... Somebody, some of y'all, y'all ain't going through nothing. Y'all cool, y'all chilling. It's also because y'all ain't doing nothing, but I ain't going there. <laughs> You're not doing anything to disrupt. You're not doing anything to disrupt the devil. So you ain't really going through nothing. So, but I, I'm not here to talk about that. Uh, but anybody who's on assignment from God, I'm talking to y'all. Those of you who have decided you're going to work, 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 work. You're going to do the work that God has called you to do. I'm talking to y'all. If you understand where I'm coming from, you are out here in the trenches facing opposition both externally from people outside and internally from your own negative thoughts, I want you to drop a heart. Here's the thing, though. Your call is just, it's too important for you to worry about celebration. The impact of the assignment on your life is meant to be so massive that you can't let a little rejection get in the way. And I know, I know, friend, I know. I know that the enemy right now has got a pocket full of stones and he's been throwing these stones left and right. But I am here to tell you today, don't let the stoning stop you. That's my title for the day. I know, I know those of you who have been called. I know that the devil's got a pocket full of stones. David ain't the only one with stones. I know the enemy has a pocket full of stones and he's been chucking them stones at you left and right. Ever since you said yes, ever since you started the journal, the journey, it's been one thing right after the other. You've been thinking, if I knew it was going to be like this, I never would have came. I never would have dang showed up. I don't want you to let that stop you. All right. Don't let the stoning stop you. My uh, message today is going to be coming from Acts chapter 14, verses 19 through 22. Let me give you all some time to read it. Let me give you all some context. So Paul, Paul and Barnabas, um, they were chosen by God for an assignment. Right. So they were all together there with all these other people and they was praying and fasting. And then the Holy Spirit spoke to them and said, hey, I'm choosing Paul and Barnabas. I want y'all to send them. And so the people fasted and gave, you know, placed their hand. And, and so then Paul and Barnabas, they went on out. Um, they, they decided to go wherever the Lord was sending them. And they were led also by the Holy Spirit. The route that they took was also guided. They were led by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit told them where to go. So they get to the first place, Poseidon. Uh, they went to Antioch at uh, Poseidon. And, you know, they preached the word of God and people were excited, but people was mad too. So guess what? They got ran out of town. So then they went to Iconium, right? They got to Iconium and they preached effectively. And there were a lot of people that were added to the number there too. But guess what? There were people who were still hating. The Jews and the Gentiles got together with those leaders and decided that they wanted to uh, stone them. And so they heard about it. And so they fled. Guess what? Then they went to Lystra. And Paul heals a man. And um, they get to Lystra. Paul heals a man. And then the crowd saw them as gods. 
So they get over there. Paul is preaching and teaching and the man is looking at him and he sees this lame man and he tells the man to get up and walk and the man get up and he jump up and he walk in and people are like, oh my gosh, they must be gods. And so since they think these men must be gods, they are ready to sacrifice, make these sacrifices to them. And Paul and them are like, no, we are mere men. What are y'all doing? Don't do this grave thing against us. Y'all need to turn away from those useless idols, those things that can't do nothing for y'all and turn to the one true God. And when y'all come to the one true God, but even though they did all of that, they, they barely got them to not make sacrifices to them. They were getting ready to go and get goat and donkey and whatever else. And they were getting ready to sacrifice it to Paul and Barnabas because they saw them as gods because they were doing things that men mere men could not do that brings us to our passage y'all with me i'm going to be reading from the niv read with me get a little water uh, verse 19 then some jews came from antioch and iconium and won the crowd over they stoned paul and dragged him outside the city thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. They preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Amen. Okay. So let me make sure you understand what I'm saying. Let me make sure you understand. So they went to all these other places. They were at Antioch. They were in Iconium. And they did this preaching and teaching. And people were for them. But then there was a plot to kill them. Then they went to Iconium. And then the same thing happened. Then they went to Lystra. And, and when they got to Lystra, they, you know, Paul healed this lame man and they wanted to, they wanted to sacrifice them. They wanted to sacrifice to them, right? They wanted to make a sacrifice to them. Verse 19 starts, then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium. Do you know what this means? It means that they came looking for them. They were in Antioch. They preached. People came to know Christ, but people were mad. They planned on plot, they plotted to stone them, so they left. They went to Iconium. They preached. They did good. People wanted to kill them. So they left. The people who the Jews who were in Antioch in Iconium were like, oh, they think they got away. We're about to chase them. They left their city their regions and traveled over to, let me make sure we're in the right place, and traveled over to Lystra. And when they got there, they turned the crowd against them. This is the same crowd who just a couple days ago had goats and calves and whatever, and were getting ready to make sacrifices to them because they saw them as gods. They came, these Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and they turned their fans against them. I call them fans because followers don't turn like that. Followers are not fickle like that. You understand? Fans are. They turned their fans against them 
so mad that the fans, the ones who are getting ready to sacrifice to them, instead stoned them. And I want to let you, I want you to understand that Paul was basically, in their minds, stoned to death. Now, you and I know how it ends, and you and I know that, that he didn't die. But I want you to imagine for a moment how many stones hit him, what he looked like, the amount of injuries he sustained. And even if he wasn't dead, he appeared dead. This is an angry mob that is stoning him to death. They then drug what they believe to be his lifeless body, covered in bruises, scrapes, cuts. He had to be bleeding, dragged what seemed to be his lifeless body out of the city because that's what you do with the dead folks. You don't let the dead people stay in the city, drug him out of the city. That's the kind of stoning he had. They didn't throw a rock at him and hit him in the head. They basically essentially in their minds stoned him to death. They drug him out the city and left him for dead. Now, who is quitting? <laughs> if you are called to do something and you're out, you've been called to be a motivational speaker and you go and you take the stage and you start speaking and there's some people who are excited. They're so glad that you came you know, after you're done, you get off the stage and they come up to you. They're like, oh, my gosh, you're the greatest. And you're like, no, I'm not the greatest. Let me point you towards God. And then the conference goes on for a couple more days. So you're still in town for the conference. And then those same people catch you, find you and begin to throw stones at you. And you have you sustain so many injuries that your body now appears lifeless to them. Nobody dials 911. Nobody steps in to stop it. They take and they drag your body out to the side of the road like you trash. Are you quitting then? Would you quit? I'm quitting. I don't know about y'all. And even if I don't quit, I'm probably going to try something new. How many of you are trying, like, let's... Can we be honest here for a second? I just want you to imagine that. You're coaching. You got a retreat. You're at a retreat. You got all these people that come to the retreat. Uh, the first day at the retreat, you do your session. You lead your session. People are so excited about the session that you lead, that they are acting like you are Jesus incarnate. They're calling you goddess. You're like, no, I'm, I want to turn y'all to Jesus. I want to turn y'all to the one true king. And it's barely, it's barely, it's the best that you can do to keep them from, you know, treating you like you are God from making an idol out of you. Then on the third day of the retreat, those same people find you, catch you, stone you to within an inch of your life, so close to death that they think that you are dead. Paul's body lay there. I, I wonder, you know, what was going through Paul's head because then the disciples gathered around him. So we didn't get up right? I mean, would you get up? 
I would at least try something new. I would be like, maybe I'm not going to do motivational speaking. Maybe I'm not going to be a pastor. If somebody invite me to come speak and I preach a word and it's like a revival and I'm preaching and then a couple of days later, people are stoning me. I'm, pro I'm probably going to take that as a sign that I need to stop. The stoning is probably going to stop me. You understand what I'm saying? Some of y'all got a message from God. You made a post. You didn't get enough likes. You deleted it. You ain't even get stoned. It ain't hurt nothing but your feelings. Some of you went live for the first time and because people were saying things about you, were criticizing you, you ain't went live since, even though there's a message in you. Some of you sent a couple emails out to your email list and you had people jumping off your email list. Now you ain't sent another email. Some of you promoted your launch. You didn't have anybody sign up. So now you ain't promoting your launch no more. Some of you have decided to lay low for a while. You ain't been stoned, but you somehow got stuck because you were rejected, because you didn't get enough likes, you didn't get enough views. You gave a couple tips of how people can get their money right, how they can get healthy, something. You were called to serve. You went out, you gave your message, and because you didn't get the response that you wanted, you ain't did nothing else. So don't play me and try to make it seem like if you got stoned, you still showing up. You ain't showing up. You ain't showing up on social media right now, and you ain't been hit upside the head. Say it what I said. You're inconsistent right now on your podcast, and nobody stoned you. You're not showing up to the spaces you've been called to show up, and you have not sustained any physical injuries. You have not been left for dead. But I wonder if maybe Paul was contemplating giving up. We don't know how long he lay there. We don't know how long it took before the disciples gathered around him. But maybe Paul was contemplating giving up. Maybe he was feeling sorry for himself. I know what it feels like to be rejected. It doesn't feel good. I know what it feels like to put yourself out there and say, hey, I've been serving you in this way. I want to serve you at an even higher level. And for them to say, no, we good on you, friend. I know what it feels like. I know what it feels like to be rejected. And so maybe Paul is feeling sorry for himself. Maybe he's wondering, maybe he's lying there on the ground, praying for the Lord to take him. Maybe he's wondering if what he's doing is foolish. Y'all remember who Paul was? Paul was called Saul. He was the one who was persecuting Christians. Maybe he feels like he's on the wrong side of the, of the issue. But he didn't stay there. He didn't stay there long. The word of, the word of God says... Um, Mm, verse 20, but after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. The next day he and Barnabas left. So He's out there. I was trying to get this in my mind. I want you to get this in your mind. He's out there outside the city. He's laying down. It says, but after the disciples had gathered around him. There's some time that passed where Paul didn't get up. There was some time where he was um, maybe contemplating. There was some time where, where maybe he was feeling sorry for himself. There was some time where, where maybe he was feeling foolish. But he didn't stay there long because the disciples gathered around him. I want you to understand the difference um, between disciples and believers real quick. I know we use those interchangeably. But a disciple is a person 
who has made the commitment, who has devoted their life to the teachings and the lifestyle of another. So John the Baptist had disciples. These were not people who believed in John the Baptist, who believed that he existed, or who even believed that he had a call. The disciples were the people who followed John the Baptist around, learning his teachings, learning lessons from him, and learning from his lifestyle. And they were modeling their lifestyle, their habits, and their routines after him. That's what it meant to be a disciple in, a, in the biblical days. You could be a disciple of a rabbi, but if you wanted to be a disciple, you had to present yourself in a certain light. You had to study. Your goal was to wow the person you were following. You wanted them to be wowed by you. You wanted them to be able to see themselves, their teaching, their likeness in you, the way you carried yourself, your style, your perspective, your tone, your level of education, you fashioned yourself after them. So there were a lot of people that had disciples and not everybody could be a disciple um, of a rabbi. A rabbi had to decide whether or not you could be a disciple because of being a disciple of a person is a reflection of the person that you're discipling yourself after. So if I'm a rabbi and you come up to me and I choose you to be my disciple, the way you look is a reflection of me. Your background is a reflection of me. It's a reflection of how I see myself. So when Jesus came on the scene, Side note, and he chose disciples that were not highly educated. They didn't have high stance. Some of them were social um, outcasts, social pariahs. Guess what? And he chose them anyway. That was something that kind of went against the reputation of Jesus. If you were so great, why would you choose these common men? But a disciple is a person who applied, put in an application, presented themselves auditioned to say, hey, I would love to study under you. I'm going to learn all your teachings and I'm going to model my life after you. That's a disciple. A believer is somebody who recognizes your existence. There are many believers, but I think there are a few disciples. I think there are a lot of people who are fans, but not a lot of people who are followers of Christ. And so I want you to look at the language. It says, but after the disciples, the people who have decided to model their life after Christ, the people who had decided to stay faithful to the faith and follow the way set by Jesus as delivered to them by the apostles, those were the people who gathered around them. And I think that's what made the difference. But after the word but means this thing happened and then there's going to be a change. So based on what happened prior to the word but, you might have concluded something, right? You might have come to a linear, logical conclusion. Uh, then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city thinking he was dead. And then he died and then he ran off and then whatever. There is a conclusion that we could jump to, but the author Luke puts in this word, uh, but, which lets us know there's a pivot in the storyline. He was stoned, 
But after the disciples gathered around him, there was a different outcome than the one you might suspect. He got up. He went back to the city. He went back to the same city where the people in that city had just attempted to take his life by stoning him to death. He traveled to the next destination and he kept on preaching. I think the disciples gathering around him gave him what he needed to keep going. When you surround yourself with the right people, then when you are down and out, the right people can gather around you. The problem is that the people you have gathering around you, you've said yes to the assignment, you've taken a couple hits. The problem is that the people around you are the people telling you to give up. The people telling you that you're crazy for even starting it. The people that are telling you, asking you, wondering how much longer are you going to go on this thing? How much longer are you going to continue to follow this path? You ain't made no money yet. You had how many launches and you're still not successful? You're not at six figures yet? You're not at seven figures yet you haven't been invited to speak on this stage yet you haven't been invited to be a part of uh this podcast yet you just keep doing this you still only got how many people coming to your church when are you going to stop the problem is that you've surrounded your people the people that have surrounded you the people that you've selected to be in your corner the people that you've been rocking with these people that are surrounding you are people that are telling you don't get up they're the people that are telling you you look dead to me they're the people who are digging a hole because you look dead and telling you to go ahead and bury that promise that God gave you because it doesn't look like it's going to work out. Go ahead and, and divorce that man. Go ahead and give up that marriage because it doesn't look like things are going to go going to go the way that you thought they were going to go. Look at the state of your marriage right now. Who you would look crazy out here. He's done this to you. He did that to you. You've been exposed. You've been embarrassed. You've been bullied. He's put you to shame. He out here cheating. He's out here committing adultery. He ain't got no respect from you. Girl, if you love yourself, what you would do is you would go ahead and bury this marriage. Let me go ahead and get a shovel so I can dig with you. What you would do is go ahead and bury the promise that God gave you that your child would not continue to be in jail. That one day you would not see your seed begging bread. That you would see that your children would live a good long life on this side of eternity. But it looks like that boy is going to go back to jail again. It looks like them kids still going to be struggling with that same addiction. So go ahead and get a shovel and bury that promise that God gave you. Go ahead and lay to rest this thing. He's been throwing stones at you. It doesn't look like you're going to overcome that medical diagnosis. Your hair is starting to come out. You're starting to get sick. You're starting to get weak. It doesn't look like that's going to work. You look almost dead. It don't. You don't even look the same. The life force ain't in you like it was. Go ahead. Let's start making funeral preparations. It looks like to me, this, this, this journey that you traveled is not the journey for you. It looks like this purpose that you think is yours. You know what? I know you tried it. You quit your job, but you've been at this for a year now. Maybe it's time for you to go back to work. You've been at this for two years now. Maybe it's time for you to go back to work am I on your aisle you've been at this for three years now maybe it's time for you to throw in the towel that's your problem you have surrounded yourself by people who are speaking death it sounds like good solid logical advice but the people that you need to surround yourself with 
are the people who are doing it for themselves. These are disciples who are getting in the word for themselves. They're getting in the synagogue, sitting up under the preaching and the teaching of Paul, sitting up under the preaching and the teaching of the other apostles. These are the ones who are leaning in to align their life with the way that the Lord has called them to live. These are people who are doing it for themselves. You got people around you that don't even believe God for themselves. So when you get stoned and you laying out looking like a corpse, they can't do nothing but prepare the funeral. They can't do nothing but bury you. But I wonder what it would look like if you were in a community of disciples who were doing it for themselves. I wonder what it would look like if you were in a community of women who believe who had the audacity to believe the word of God over their situation, who said, I'm going to let everything else be a lie and the word of God stands true. I wonder what it would look like if you surrounded yourself with people who could get a prayer through. I wonder what it would look like if you surrounded yourself by people who believed Christ, who believed in the power of God who's seen the Lord do something, who believe that God's going to do something for them. So it ain't nothing for them to believe that God's going to do something for you. I wonder what it would look like if you surrounded yourself, if you got planted and rooted in a community of women who said, eyes haven't seen, ears haven't heard, neither has it entered into the hearts of men what God is going to do in my life. So I know that this thing that you are facing is not too hard for God. I wonder what it would look like for you to be surrounded by courageous disciples. What happens after the stoning? After the stoning and his disciples gathered around him, he gets up. He sees success. He sees fulfillment, progress, effective. Let's look at verse 21. Let's go back to verse 20. Uh, but after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. They preached the gospel in that city. He went back to work. He didn't let the stoning stop him. He went back to his purpose of preaching the gospel. And guess what? He was successful. He won a large number of disciples. He won a large number over. So even after the stoning, because he didn't allow the stoning to stop him, he still got to see success after the stoning. You think that because you've been stoned that it's over for you. It's not. There's success after the stoning. There's success after the stoning. You think that because the enemy has been throwing stones at you that you are finished. Not so, says the Lord. There is success, fulfillment, progress, massive impact. You have been called, you are called to be a woman of massive impact. And that stoning ain't going to stop you unless you let it. Paul even returned to the place where the Jews had come from to stone him. These Jews ran him out of town. He went to a new town. They turned that town against him, stoned him, left him for dead. Disciples gathered around him. He got up and went back to preaching and teaching, had great success, and then went back to those same cities where those Jews who had come to turn the crowd against him, where they was from. 
the towns where he had already been run. They already run him out of town. They already run him out of town and he went back. Then he returned to Lystra. This is the place where he was stoned. He returned to Iconium. This is the place where he was ran out. He returned to Antioch. That was the place where they intended to stone him. And you know what he did there? He strengthened the disciples and encouraged them to remain true to the faith. He went back to that same platform. He went back to that same conference. He went back to that same city. He went back to that same marriage. He went back to that same place where he didn't have support, where people were doing whatever, because he was committed to the call on his life. And then he gave them a secret. He gave them the secret to his success. We must, this is verse 22 of the second part. He says, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom. Here's what I, I want. Here's what I want for you to pay attention to in that particular verse. I'm starting to get hot. I need to get my fan out. Here's what I want you to listen to in that particular verse. Go through. We must go through. Can you drop growth, go through in the chat for me? Go through. He says we must go through many hardships to get to the kingdom of God. Anybody want to get to the kingdom of God? Anybody want to fulfill the purpose on their life? Anybody want to answer the call? Anybody want to stand before God and hear him say, well done. Listen, I told a friend, I want to wow God. Anybody want to wow God? Well, that means you're going to have to go through many hardships. Not that many hardships are going to come. Not that, that you're going to sustain some injuries and then that's going to be your cue to stop. You got to go through. That means that I can't let the stoning stop me. It means that you can't let the stoning stop you. Whatever that looks like, whether that looks like depression, anxiety, addiction, problems in your marriage, problems in your finance, problem with your family, battling disease, loss of a loved one. He's saying we must go through it doesn't mean that there's not any hardships. It doesn't mean that he only took a couple of lumps and bruises. They thought the man was dead. Can, how, can you imagine how bad he must have looked? They thought Paul was dead. They drug him out the city. Their intent was to kill him. And they threw stones until he appeared to be dead. That's not a small thing. I think we sometimes read it and we just move so fast, we don't stop to sit back and imagine. We don't stop to sit back 
and imagine the level and the degree of the injuries he sustained, but he didn't let the stoning stop him. How can we follow the example of Paul and Barnabas? Listen, if you if you don't take anything away from here, I want you to make the decision right now to not let the stoning stop you. I don't want the stoning to stop you. I don't want whatever hardship you're going through. I don't want that to stop you. And that's easy for me to say. It's easy for me to say, don't let it stop you. But I want to equip you. This is an equipping church. Amen. I want to equip you. I'm closing out. But I want to give you these things. I want, want you to follow this example of Paul and Barnabas. How can I, Pastor Courage, keep the stoning from stopping me? Because I got to tell you, this diagnosis I got is about to be the end of me. I got to tell you, the state of my marriage, I'm, I'm about to throw away the whole ministry. I'm about to throw away the whole business. I'm telling you, the way these finances are set up, I'm about to stop chasing purpose and go back to chasing a paycheck. And nobody ain't feeling like that. You want to know how can you do it? The first thing I noticed about Paul and Barnabas is that they were committed to the call. Are you committed to the call? There's a sermon that I preached as a message. You can find it called Committed to the Call. There's a difference between com being committed and being interested. There's a difference between being committed and being involved. There's this illustration they say all the time. You know, if you look at a breakfast of bacon and eggs, the chicken was involved, but the pig was committed. Right? The pig gave his life for breakfast. Are you committed to the call? Are you, yes, that means you have to be willing to give your life. I, I don't want you to stop at the stoning. So those of you who are saying yes to your assignment, you understand that you've been called. You understand that you've been called for something greater and you want to show up. You want to do this thing. This ain't for everybody. This ain't for, you don't want to say yes to the call. This ain't for you. I'm glad that you joined us today. Be sure to like this video. Let me know that you enjoyed this, that you were encouraged by it, but you've decided that you're not going to do your assignment. That's cool for you. But I'm talking to those of you who have said yes to the call and you realize that you're going to come up against some, some opposition. You understand now the word of God is telling you that you're going to have to go through some hardship if you want to enter into the kingdom of God. You have got to be committed to the call. Commitment looks like I am willing to die for this. I'm willing to die to my ego, to my preference, to my reputation, because people talking about you. It's not, it's not in your imagination, they talking about you. Your reputation is silly. They think you crazy, they think you're irresponsible. They don't understand why you're doing this, why you won't just go back and use your good degree. They don't understand. They think that you are weak. They think that you have low self-esteem. They don't know why you would stay in a marriage where you're being treated this way. They think that you don't understand that you deserve better. I know they talk about you. They think you're foolish. They think you don't love yourself. They're saying all these things about you. Are you willing to die to all of that? Because that is what commitment requires. First thing, you got to be committed. We know that they were committed, even if it was going to cost them their life, because they had the threat, their lives were being threatened. And then in the case of Paul, they actually acted on it. So we know that that didn't stop Paul. That tells us that Paul and Barnabas were so committed, they were willing to die for their call. 
Are you willing to die for it? Don't think that death is easy. Don't think that dying to yourself is not going to come without your flesh throwing a fit. Don't think that it's going to be comfortable. Don't think that it's not going to be painful. The second thing they did is that they were part of they were in a community of disciples, not just believers. When you go to church, you're in a room full of believers. There may be some non-believers there, but the majority of the people who are in the building, the majority of the people who are in the chat, they're believers. That's this ain't that's not being in a room full of believers ain't gonna help you. You need to be in close community with disciples. That's what you need. That's what Paul had. Paul had disciples that gathered around him. We're not cut from the same cloth. We similar, but we ain't the same. There are a lot of similarities between a disciple and a believer, but it ain't the same. How do I know? Because even in churches, even in Christian culture and in Christian circles, you hear people who believe in Christ that are still leading people astray. They're believers. They say that they're believers in person. They say they're believers on their platform and they do believe in Christ. I don't deny that. They're not disciples though. And if you're not going to let the stoning stop you, you need to be in a community of disciples. People who aren't changing up their values to meet their situation. People who are also so committed to the call, they're willing to die for it. They're willing to kill their comfort and their preferences for it. They're willing to take less pay. They're willing to give more because of the call that's on their life. They're willing to serve more. They're willing to show up, stay late, long hours. They're, they're willing to be long suffering. Those are disciples. Believers often say things like, I don't believe that God would want me to be unhappy. I don't believe that God would want me to put up with this. I don't think that God wants me to be sad. God is not about your happiness. He's about your wholeness and disciples know the difference. You need to be in a community of disciples. And the third thing is, the third thing that's required is that you have to actively be walking in the purpose for which you were created with excellence. With excellence. I can't imagine having the stoning and not even being able to have previous successes to hold on to. I, I can't imagine going through the stoning and, and, and not having previous situations where I showed up right? Where I was able to serve somebody. I was able to help somebody. I can't imagine showing up after the stoning if I didn't, if I wasn't walking in my purpose. You don't have the confidence to show up after the stoning because before the stoning ever happened, you were kind of walking weakly in your calling anyway. I said it. Your walk was a little weak before the stoning anyway. You got to get your faith up. Get your weight up. Get your faith up. So, she, so that you are showing up and you are serving with excellence, not excuses about why you can't do the thing you've been called to do. I don't care about your job, girl. That's why this ain't the place for everybody. 
I don't care about your job. I care about what the Lord said to you. And if your job is getting in the way, anything that's getting in the way of you doing what God has called you to do, baby, you better throw that thing out. Any friend that's getting in the, any friend that's in your ear, that's getting in the way of you showing up as the wife that God has called you to be with excellence. You better stop listening. Stop taking some of them calls. Honey, don't let anything keep you from doing. You need to be walking in excellence, not excuses. Maybe you need to go to bed at night. You're too tired. You're working on a job and God has called you to build something on the side. That might mean that you need to go to sleep. It might mean that you need to get a laundry service. It might mean that, that you need to get some support. But you got to walk in your purpose with excellence and not with the excuses. Because you, I want you to hear what I'm saying to you. I'm saying, I'm not trying to be mean to you. I'm saying this to you because you, like Paul and Barnabas, you have a call on your life. You have an assignment for which God has poured out his anointing on you. God has given you, created you, fashioned you with gifts and talents for this call. You are meant to help somebody get deliverance from something. It's why you came through. It's why he saved you. It's why he created you. It's why you were able to get out of debt. It's why you were able to overcome depression. It's why you were able to discover your purpose because now God wants to send you friend to go and deliver the children of Israel from Egypt to bring them out of bondage. Somebody's in, God has called you to deliver them out of that. So there's a call on your life. There's an anointing. You have been appointed. There's a gift in for you. This is why I'm telling you this because you have been called. You have an assignment and there's an anointing that flows over and through you all over your gifts and talents. And I know, I know the enemy is throwing stones. I know that the enemy is throwing stones at you. You are not enough. No one's going to listen to you. You're not worthy. You're unqualified. You're not pretty enough. You need to lose some weight before you go live. You need to gain some weight. You need to put on some makeup. Don't nobody want to see you. You're not qualified. You're a failure. You're a fraud. You're an imposter. You should be further along by now. You should just give up. I know the enemy is throwing stones at you, but don't let the stoning stop you. Get up. Get committed to your call. Get in a community of disciples and start walking in your call with excellence. Maybe you feel like, okay, pastor, that sounds real good, but I have yet to really commit to the call on my life. I haven't yet partnered with Jesus. I think that I've been a fan of Jesus, but after hearing this sermon, there's a prompting in my spirit. The Holy Spirit is nudging me to be a follower of Christ. I want you to say this prayer with me. Father, I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. I believe that you raised him from the dead. I now accept him as my Lord and Savior. I accept the gift of salvation right now. Thank you, Father God, for forgiving me, for saving me, 
and giving me an eternal life with you. Amen. Welcome to the kingdom of God. If you say it and you believe it, that settles it. Welcome, welcome. I want to know that you've just accepted Christ. Go ahead and send us an email at praise at boldfaithchurch.org. We want to get some resources in your hand. We want to help you get fitted in a community of disciples. You feel me? Not just believers that can help you on this walk that are going to be able to encourage you when things get difficult. Yes, it's about an individual relationship with God, but God does not mean for us to do it in isolation. He wants for us to be connected in community. Now, listen, we are not done. If you've been blessed by this, don't forget to hear the like button. Maybe you decided to wait to the end of the sermon to subscribe, but the sermon is over. The message is over. And if it blessed you, be sure to subscribe, like this, share this video. But guess what? You know, we're not done. We are getting ready, getting ready to gather together, gather Okay, together in our B groups, which are what we call our life groups here, so that we can discuss our commitments, we can share some of our thoughts, ahas, and the changes we intend to make, either in our perspectives, our values, our beliefs, as it relates to the message that we got today. And we want you to join us. You can go to bit.ly slash boldfaithchurch.com. Um, bit.ly slash church. It'll give you the information. It'll bring you right to the Zoom. If you are watching this at a different time, that's okay. Go ahead and, and sign up and it'll give you the information. It'll get you on our list and uh, somebody will reach out to you, help you get connected. We don't want you to miss it. Now, listen, if this blessed you and you want to help us as we go out and take the gospel, you want to help us, Bold Faith Community Church, share the gospel, then I would love for you to go to boldfaithchurch.org and give your tithes and offering. Any amount that the Lord puts on your heart, we are going to appreciate. We're going to celebrate. Go to boldfaithchurch.org. You can give as little as $1 and as much as a million dollars. I actually don't know if you can give a million dollars on there, but somebody can try it if you watch this. The Lord put on your heart. Try it. If it doesn't work, send us an email. We'll figure out where to get it done. All right. But you can go to boldfaithchurch.org to give. Um, you can give as little as a dollar, five dollars, whatever the Lord has put on your heart to help us take the gospel out to the ends of the earth to other amazing women just like you. Now, listen, don't miss this opportunity to come and connect with us. So come on over. We're going to be in the group. I'll see you over there. As always, I love you. Thank you so much for joining in with us. Um, so glad to have you. See you in a little bit. If this episode has blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else so that you too can be a blessing. If you'd like to connect with us and help us to do the work that God has called us to do, you can give at boldfaithchurch.org. Be sure to connect with us on Instagram at boldfaithchurch and connect with me at Courage Molina. Thanks so much. Be sure to catch the next episode right here.